August 11th, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 through 24. Now about the questions you Corinthians asked in your letter. Yes, it is good to live a celibate life. But because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should not deprive his wife of sexual intimacy, which is her right as a married woman, nor should the wife deprive her husband. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband also gives authority over his body to his wife. So do not deprive each other of sexual relations. The only exception to this rule would be the agreement of both husband and wife to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so they can give themselves more completely to prayer. Afterward, they should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt them because of their lack of self-control. This is only my suggestion. It's not meant to be an absolute rule. I wish everyone could get along without marrying, just as I do. But we are not all the same. God gives some the gift of marriage, and to others He gives the gift of singleness. Now I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it's better to stay unmarried just as I am. But if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It's better to marry than to burn with lust. Now for those who are married, I have a command that comes not from me, but from the Lord. A wife must not leave her husband. But if she does leave him, let her remain single, or else go back to him. And the husband must not leave his wife. Now I will speak to the rest of you, though I do not have a direct command from the Lord. If a Christian man has a wife who is an unbeliever, and she is willing to continue living with him, he must not leave her. And if a Christian woman has a husband who is an unbeliever, and he is willing to continue living with her, she must not leave him. For the Christian wife brings holiness to her marriage, and the Christian husband brings holiness to his marriage. Otherwise, your children would not have a godly influence. But now they are set apart for him. But if the husband or wife who isn't a Christian insists on leaving, let them go. In such cases, the Christian husband or wife is not required to stay with them, for God wants His children to live in peace. You wives must remember that your husbands might be converted because of you, and you husbands must remember that your wives might be converted because of you. You must accept whatever situation the Lord has put you in, and continue on as you were when God first called you. This is my rule for all the churches. For instance, a man who was circumcised before he became a believer should not try to reverse it, and the man who was uncircumcised when he became a believer should not be circumcised now. For it makes no difference whether or not a man has been circumcised. The important thing is to keep God's commandments. You should continue on as you were when God called you. Are you a slave? Don't let that worry you, but if you get a chance to be free, take it. And remember, if you were a slave when the Lord called you, the Lord has now set you free from the awful power of sin. And if you were free when the Lord called you, you are now a slave of Christ. God purchased you at a high price. 
Don't be enslaved by the world. So, dear brothers and sisters, whatever situation you were in when you became a believer, stay there in your new relationship with God. Then he says in verse 8, Come, come with me from Lebanon, my bride. God is always calling his people to come. And Satan is always telling them, you can't go. Look at you. I mean, how can you go? He knows what you've done. He knows your sins. He knows how vile you are. He knows the dullness of your heart. Don't go to him. But those are the words of the liar and the deceiver. And oftentimes you believe him because it is so hard to believe God with regard to his love because his love is so great. If you want to know what the greatest act of faith is, I'm going to tell you the greatest act of faith for the Christian is to look in the mirror of God's word and see all their failings and then to believe by faith that God loves them as much as he says he does. That is faith. Because you have to believe something you've never even seen anywhere else in the world. No one is like God and no one's love is like God's love. When He tells you to come, don't you know the one who just spoke the word knows everything about you? He knows everything you've done, everything you're going to do. So if He says come, then the invitation is come. And look at this in verse 9. You have made my heart beat faster, my sister, my bride. You have made my heart beat faster with a single glance of your eyes. Now if that won't get you praying, I don't know what will. What does that tell me? I go like this. And you can hear the divine heart beat faster with a single glance of my eyes. When my little boy was born, I'll never forget, he was old enough, finally got to the point where he could smile and hug and lift his arms up in the air. And I'll never forget, he was laying there on our bed upstairs and I walked around the corner and came into the room and when he saw me, you got to understand, my boy could have a heart attack. He gets so excited looking at a blank wall. But he, he looked at me, and the moment he looked at me, he went, there was not one doubt in that little boy's mind that his father was going to run over there, grab him, pick him up, and hug him. There was not one doubt. I mean, you talk about self-esteem or self He had no doubt that he was loved. He knew. He just had to cut those eyes at me, and I was a goner. How do you think those things happen? Do you think that they come out of creation or they're birthed out of human nature? Why do those things even exist in creation? Have you ever wondered about that? God put them there. And why did he put them there? To tell you about him. How can you love a child? How could you dare think that you love a child more than God loves you? can't even begin to understand. One look upward. He said, oh, Brother Paul, you don't understand. Son, you don't understand how powerful is the blood of Jesus Christ. Because of the work of Christ, he cannot love you more, will not love you less. 
One glance of your eyes. You've got him. You've got him. You've got him. One glance of your eyes and his heart beats faster. Look what he says. You have made my heart beat faster, my sister, my bride. You have made my heart beat faster with a single glance of your eyes. Now look at this. With a single strand of your necklace. Let me ask you this. Where'd she get the necklace? She got it from him. If Joseph had a coat of many colors that he would not share with his brothers. But our Joseph, our Jesus, has a coat of many colors, a righteousness upon him that is, is his own by his own doing, and he gives it to you. He has saved you and not only cleaned you, he's dressed you up with his own grace. And every time he looks at you, this is what he sees. Psalm 31, verses 19 through 24. Your goodness is so great. You have stored up great blessings for those who honor you. You have done so much for those who come to you for protection, blessing them before the watching world. You hide them in the shelter of your presence, safe from those who conspire against them. You shelter them in your presence, far from accusing tongues. Praise the Lord, for He has shown me His unfailing love. He kept me safe when my city was under attack. In sudden fear I had cried out, I have been cut off from the Lord. But you heard my cry for mercy and answered my call for help. Love the Lord, all you faithful ones. For the Lord protects those who are loyal to Him, but He harshly punishes all who are arrogant. So be strong and take courage, all you who put your hope in the Lord. Proverbs 21, verse 4. Haughty eyes, a proud heart, and evil actions are all sin.